Good morning. God is good? And all the time? Hey, if you're new, I want to welcome you this morning. My name is John, and I'm blessed to be one of the pastors here of the church. I'm going to invite you to find your way to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. We are in our third week of this series, uh, Songs of the Season, or Psalms of the Season. And so um, I appreciate the message Pastor Dave preached last week on Psalm 117. What a great reminder for us to praise the Lord because His love for us is powerful and His faithfulness endures forever. And then it ends, praise the Lord. Are, are you thankful for Jesus today? You could get more excited now. Are you thankful for Jesus today? Praise God. And uh, it's okay to to talk back in church a little bit, all right? As long as you're on point with me, okay? All right, so appreciate you guys being here this morning. I wanted to kind of set the the scene or maybe the context of Psalm 84 before we read it this morning. I appreciate Stefan read through that uh, for us today. But as we think about the context of setting, there's actually uh, two theories, I guess, on who wrote this psalm. The first one is that some people believe that King David wrote it. If it, in fact, was King David that wrote the psalm, most think that he probably wrote this in the period of time when his son Aslan uh, ran him out of the kingdom. And then there's the other idea that some believe that it's an anonymous song, that we don't know who wrote it, but that it was a Jewish man writing it with the understanding or the anticipation of wanting to go to the temple or the tabernacle to meet and to worship and to pray. Now, either way, I tend to lean more towards, I think it's just an ordinary average person that is longing to go. So every year, they would go three times a year. If they could, they would make a pilgrimage to the temple and to the tabernacle to worship. I think it's a Jewish man just longing to go on a pilgrimage to the tabernacle, and he can't. Uh, But either way, whether it was David or it was an anonymous author, the context, the setting is still the same. The understanding of the psalm is that there's an anticipation, a hope, a desire, a longing to go to the tabernacle. It was a desire, if it was King David when he was exiled because of his son and and the revolt, he was still wishing, anticipating, hoping he could go to the tabernacle and worship. If it was the Jewish man that could not make the journey or the pilgrimage, he was desiring to go to the tabernacle. Now, we're in a season now, as Ben alluded to, of anticipation. I remember when I was uh, much younger, sitting in the living room in the dark with the Christmas lights on. Don't you love that scene, just kind of laying there? And I remember looking at the presents, anticipating what was in them. You guys remember that feeling? Some of us are really old, may not, may not remember that. How many kids, kids, do you, do you still do that? Do you still look at the presents and just wish and hope? You can raise your hand if you look at me. All right, Lucas, very good, thank you. Uh, how about, how many of you adults still sit there and dream about what's in the, in the presents? There's anticipation. Yesterday, I, I had a panic attack, just to be completely transparent with you. That was because all of a sudden I realized, like it's been coming, I knew it, but it just hit me that yesterday will be 14 days. So today, 13 days from today, I will marry my daughter off. Oh man, that's freaking me out, just to be honest with you. Now, her and I have both a little bit of a different anticipation. I'm just hoping, anticipating that I can get through the ceremony without crying so much, okay? So you guys pray for me about that. 
But this idea, so what I'm trying to, for you to understand, and before we get to this text, is this, this anticipation. You know, the, the reality is that I think this year, 2020, I don't even like to say 2020 to you guys. I, I'm kind of nervous about even wanting to get to 2021. But, but this year, maybe more than ever, is a year that everyone in the room, every one of you that are online this morning, may be able to identify with this psalm more than ever before. And we never thought on May the 8th, on a Wednesday night, on March the 8th, when Wednesday night when we gathered, that would be the last time for quite a while. I remember uh, in March, that first Sunday where we couldn't meet, and about 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, Carlos, our student pastor, and Nathan, our communications pastor, and Jeremy, our communications intern, they show up at my house at like 6 in the morning with all this cameras and equipment, and we're trying to figure out how are we going to have church from my back porch online. Do you, you guys remember that? And I remember walking through this building. It was dark, and it was lifeless because we couldn't meet. I remember sitting at home in my living room, and for a season I did enjoy sitting on my couch and just having church with my coffee and all that. But I remember just longing to get back together. You, you guys remember that? I remember that just wanting to be in church, to worship God with God's people. And that's kind of the setting of this text this morning. Just this desire to worship. So let's open up and, and let's walk through it. So you're going to notice, if you haven't already, in, in Psalm 84 here, that this, it's broken up in, really into three sections. So it's a song, and as we understand, in verse, at the end of verse 4 and the end of the verse 8, you're going to see some of your text uh, will say, just kind of out the side, this word selah or selah. And, and that word is a, is a musical word meaning refrain or to pause. And so it's like this pause in the song for a moment, which actually gives us the sections of the psalm where it breaks it up. And, and so let's look at the first four verses, and we're going to kind of go just section by section. You're going to notice that there's one word that appears in every section. It's the word blessed, or this word meaning happy or joyful. And so that's really the theme of the song is blessed. So what we kind of want to walk through this this morning is, well, who is blessed? And so I think you can easily see in each of these sentences, blessed are, blessed are. So let's start in the first section, and it begins in verse 1. How lovely is your tabernacle. And, and so by way of reference, if you remember, this word tabernacle simply means dwelling place. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Verse number 2. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars are Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. And, and so let's, let's look at back verse 2. It says here, this is the idea of anticipation, this idea of yearning, this idea of, of strong desire. It says, my soul longs, yes, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. And let's understand for a moment, what is, it, what is the author trying to say that I'm longing, I'm desiring, my, 
I, I'm just, my, my soul is like yearning for the courts of the Lord. Well, when you understand the study of the tabernacle, that the courts of the Lord here, they would ref, be referencing the outer courts. The outer courts would be where the people would travel as their pilgrimage. They would gather together. It was the assembly. It was the, uh, the, what we would now term the opportunity for corporate worship. And so the psalmist is saying, I can't make the journey, but oh, how much I desire to be with God's people, worshiping God. And again, I think we've, we've understood this more this year than ever before. Here's just for a pause for a moment. I want us to think for a moment in my own life. As I, as I read this, this scripture, I, I, I think about my own life. I wonder, now I can't answer this for you. I can only answer it for me. But what it makes me question myself is, could this describe my emotions about coming today. Like in this past week, have I truly been longing? Has my soul even fainted to be with God's people? And if that's not been a longing in my own life, in my own soul, then there's, so, there's something wrong with me. You know, whether you're in the building or whether you're at home, if there's not a longing, if you can go home this afternoon and do your normal lunch routine, which most of us have a Sunday afternoon routine, or some of you take that Sunday afternoon nap, right? Can I get an amen? If I can go right back into my weekly routine and I don't have a longing, to corporately gather and worship. And it says a lot about my relationship. Yesterday afternoon, I, I sat with one of our older members on her back porch. And as I talked to her, because, you know, for health reasons and all the high-risk categories that, you know, check the boxes in her life, she can't be here. But as I sat with her, it, just, this, it seemed like this psalm just came alive, that she longed, her soul yearned to be in this place. So if you're stuck at home on the couch for medical reasons or high risk, we long for you to be here too. But, but I think for me, the check is do I always long for this? The psalmist did. It goes on to say, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You see this transition from the longing to be with God's people for the longing to be with God himself. And so if we could summarize really what the idea of this, this one verse is, what he's longing for is he longs to worship God with God's people. There's nothing like gathering on Sunday morning together in this, in this auditorium and singing together. I love hearing you guys worship. Don't you love to hear this group worship together? Think how much more our Creator loves to hear His people worship Him.
We have this desire. Verse number four, let's, let's get to the, the application of this section. It says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Now, I think most of us have a pretty good understanding of what dwell means. And, and we should understand that as a follower of Jesus, because of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ, when Jesus died on the cross, uh, the temple veil was rent in two. And what that signified was that we don't have to go to the temple to worship God, that if we're followers of Jesus, our body is the temple of God, that God dwells in us. And that's why Pastor Dave, when he talked about Psalm 117 last week, was we can worship whenever, wherever, however, because God is in us. So what is the understanding then, blessed are those who dwell? Because God does dwell with us. There's another definition of the word dwell, and it simply means this, to keep attention directed. Well, I think we could use one word would describe that, focus. Blessed are those who focus, who dwell with the Lord, who focus on Him. Now, as we sat home and watched uh, church together, um, I'll be completely transparent with you. I could not stand watching myself on TV. It was the worst part of the day, you know. But one thing, like everything, how many of you are like sick and tired of Zoom? Okay, kids, I'm sure you are definitely tired. If you're a teacher, you're definitely tired. Parents, if you're having to try to figure out how to get your kids on Zoom, I'm sorry. I pray for you. I'm thankful my kids are away at college. Uh, But one thing that this is really highlighted in my life, as my wife and I would sit and we would watch uh, the message and worship there. Then we would go from there to our connect group and do Zoom. I am the worst at paying attention. Anybody can identify with being a little ADD? I mean, my mind is going all kinds of directions. I've got my iPad open. I'm watching the computer. I'm also texting on my phone. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I don't know why I'm telling you. It's just self-confession. But it's saying here, blessed are those who focus on the Lord. Just to focus on who God is. Because it's easy to lose focus, isn't it? It's easy to think of all the circumstances. It'd be easy for the psalmist here to say, I can't go this year to the tabernacle. Poor me. He's focusing on blessed are those. The last phrase in verse number four says, they will still be praising you. I think this is a result of the first part of verse number four. That if we will stay focused on God, blessed are those who dwell with the Lord. If we will stay focused on God, the result of it is that even in spite of our circumstances, the psalmist says they will still be praising the Lord. You see, God is good even when life isn't good. God is in control even when we don't think he's in control. God can be trusted. I'm going to dwell with him. Let's look at verse number five, and this is the point number two. This comes really quick. So the first one, blessed are those who dwell with the Lord. The second one is very simple. Blessed are those who rely on his strength. All right, let's read verses five through eight. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. And they pass through the valley, or excuse me, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also converts it with pools. They go from strength to to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. He ends this section of the song with a prayer. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Blessed is the man who relies on God's strength. Let's let's walk through this. Verse number five. 
Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. In other words, I'm going to stay focused on, remember what Paul said, that even though I'm weak, or when I admit I'm weak, when I acknowledge I'm weak, then God makes me strong. That it's God in me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so there's this great understanding that when I acknowledge that I can't make it, I can't do it, I I don't keep the focus, I'm going to rely on God's strength. He says, our heart, or whose heart, in verse 5, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Again, so he's specifically talking about the three times a year that he hopes, anticipates, and wants to go to the tabernacle to worship, to worship God with God's people. That's my focus. When we, when we understand what our focus is, it's much easier to, to stay focused. But for us, as followers of Jesus, we, we too are pilgrims. We're on pilgrimage. But where are we headed? We're not headed to the tabernacle. We're headed to heaven. We're headed to be in the very presence of Jesus. My heart is set on pilgrimage. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 11, talks about this. It uses the same terminology. It says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners or as pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. It's this idea of focus. When I focus on who God is, when I focus on my destination, when I focus that I'm uh, just, as the old hymn says, I'm just passing through, then it, then it, then it keeps my mind set. And that's what Colossians says, that I'm, I'm going to keep my mind set on things above, not on things of the earth. Isn't it so easy to fall in love with the world and what the world has to offer? And yet God says, hold on, set your heart on the pilgrimage, on the destination, on who I'm living for, the purpose. I love this, Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. It's, it's what Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, right? To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. And so it's this understanding of, I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to dwell with the Lord. I'm going to rely on his strength. Why do we need God's strength? Look, look what the next sentence, the next phrase says. It said, whose heart is set on pilgrimage, verse 6, as they pass the valley of Baca. Well, what is the valley of Baca? This is the Hebrew word Baca that, that refers to the balsam tree. And there'll be a picture on the screen here, but the, the balsam tree, when, when it produces or uh, it, it's sap that comes out of the tree, it looks like a teardrop. And so when the author is saying, when we pass through the valley of Baca, it's a, it's a reference, it's an understanding. The people that would have been reading this time would understand, oh, he's referencing a season of struggle. He's referencing a season of pain. He's referencing a season of hurt. He's referencing a season of sorrow. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, because as they pass through the valley of Baca, you know, I would assume in the last year 
that all of us, to some degree or another, have gone through a valley of vodka. Whether it's health, whether it's finances, whether it's your kids. A few months ago, I, I went through a season or a valley of vodka. About 6.03 in the, on a Monday morning, I got a phone call. Just to find out that, that a good friend of mine had died in the middle of the night. I had just seen him 14 hours before that. I gave him a hug. I said, I love you. And a few hours later, I get a phone call. And I'm, I'm not the only one in the room that has gone through a season or the Valley of Baca. Some of you now, whether you're here in person or online, right now is the Valley of Baca. There's a great word in this verse. Look, look at it again. Verse number six. And, and you may want to underline, circle, highlight it. As they pass through. It's through. You see, whatever God brings you to, he will also bring you through. He will get you through it. If we rely on his strength. It's not our strength. It's his one of the most famous psalms, Psalm 23, 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear nothing. Why? Because you are with me. The same word in verse number 6 of Psalm 84 that brings hope is the same word in Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Whatever valley you are in currently, can I just encourage you? Rely on the strength of God. Look what he does in verse number eight. He's going to close this section out with a prayer. Oh Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. When you're in the season or the valley of Baca, cry out to God. Blessed are those who dwell with the Lord. Blessed are those who rely on His strength. Verse number nine. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. This is the verse where people would point to that say they think King David wrote it. Okay, so depending on the vantage point of how you read this, it could be David saying, look upon the face of me, you're anointed. Or it could be that the pilgrim is simply saying, God, we're praying for our king as I can't make it there. Uh, it, again, it doesn't really change the context or the meaning of the psalm, but this is the verse that would reference that. All right, let's move on. Verse number 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I love the old song. For, it said, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. But here's what he goes on to say, and he makes this like declaration. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God 
than dwell in the tents of wickedness. That's a bold statement, isn't it? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Great statement. But when we think about the, the study tools that Dave gave us last week, I think it would be a, a wise opportunity on verse 10 is to ask a question. Why? Why would the, the psalmist say, a day, you know, I'd rather be a doorkeeper, a servant in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness? Why, why would he say this? Why could he be confident in this? Well, thankfully, verse number 7 answers the question. Look at verse number 11. He says, for, or we could interchange the word because. For the Lord God, and there's four things. I would encourage you to highlight them, underline them, circle them. They're circled in mind. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So let's, let me just give you a, a simple one-word definition of these four words. So the psalmist says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the gates of my, of my king or my God than to be or to dwell in the house of the wicked. Why? Because God is my son, he's my shield, he gives grace, and he gives glory. So you should be writing this down. Trust me, all right? It's just good stuff, okay? He is my son. What does that mean that God is my son? He's my provision. God is my provision. God is my provider. God gives me all good things. He is my shield. Not only is he my provision, but he's my protection. God is my provision. God is my protection. He gives grace. In other words, salvation. Provision, protection, salvation. Not only does he give grace, but he gives glory. What's, what's one word that could describe what the author is trying to say? It's destination. He gives me provision, protection, salvation, and destination. One day, all who follow Jesus will be in the presence of our Savior. Are, are you looking forward to that day? And we will stand before Christ, our king the destination when we arrive that's what scripture says we will then be glorified let's look how he ends verse number 12 O lord of hosts here's the third blessed blessed is the man who trusts in you blessed is the man who trusts in you now i think there's uh, obviously, we could interchange the word faith for the word trust here, okay? And I think we simple understanding is that really there's two applications, two main applications of faith. First is there what we would term saving faith, and then there's also sustaining faith. So before you can have sustaining faith, before we can apply all these things, blessed are those who dwell, blessed are those who rely on the strength, blessed are those who trust in you, you first must have experienced saving faith. Well, we understand what saving faith is in Ephesians chapter 2. And scripture, Paul tells us, for by grace you are what? Saved. 
That is saving grace. For by grace, it's the grace of God that saves us. It's not our good works. It's the grace of God that gets me to the destination, to glorification. It's God's grace. For by grace, you are saved, and then there's a way we receive the grace. You see, grace is for everyone. Grace is available for all. Grace saves us. Grace redeems us. Grace brings us back into fellowship with God. Grace allows us to have the destination of heaven and eternity with God. So it's pretty important that you get his grace. The rest of that verse tells us how. For by grace you are saved. It's through faith. Placing your faith in Jesus. If, if you've never received saving grace, can I encourage you in this moment right now, whether you're watching live at home right now, whether you're watching live or recorded later, whether you're in the room, it's very simple. It's simply you talking to God and asking God to apply His grace to you. It's just asking God, I, I want the grace that's available. I'm going to ask you, just a prayer prayer. It's just you talking to God, and, and you may say something like this. God, I want your grace. I want to receive your grace today. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me so that I could have grace. I confess that Jesus is Lord, I ask you to give me grace. I ask you to save me. And if you did that today, if you prayed that prayer, can I, can I ask you, we, we just want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you. And, and we want to, the only way we can do that is if you let us know. So there's going to be a number on the screen. If you would just text the word saved. Maybe if you're online, it may be easier for you just in the comments, just to put saved, and we'll reach out to you. We just want to connect with you. We want to celebrate with you. So there's a saving faith, but there is also sustaining faith. And probably for the most of us, the majority of us in the room, for the majority of us watching online, this is the grace we need to lean into this morning. As we walk through the valley of Baca, we want to, we want to rely on his strength. We want to trust in him in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 it'll be on the screen this morning would, would you read it loud with me this morning and as we read it would, would we make this a declaration God I am trusting you I'm going to dwell with the Lord I'm going to rely on his strength I'm going to trust him Proverbs 3, 5 here we go trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. God, we acknowledge today that we need you. Forgive us, Lord, for not focusing to dwell with you. Help us, Lord, as we go through seasons of sorrow, suffering, or struggle, that we would rely on your strength and cry out to you. Help us, Lord, to trust you because you are good. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning as we continue in worship.